Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Which led to talk of Golden Axe. Oh yeah, you remember that? Game? I remember it very well. Everyone, yeah, yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. remembers that. I had what was your your favorite character on? Was, uh, was the the dwarf? Of course, he was the dwarf. Yeah, everyone liked the dwarf. Yeah, it, everyone got this. That you, you got like Golden Axe, Revenge of Shinobi, mm. Streets of Rage. Like, they were all yeah, on the yeah, same cartridge. Three yeah. Games. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. I for my long train or uh, flights recently downloaded Golden Axe and Shinobi. Oh yeah, Shinobi. Yeah, Shinobi was a bit harder to play. I don't. I of remembered the, it being a lot more fun than it was. But Golden yeah. Axe, Golden Axe was good. Of those three, my favorite was Streets, Streets of Rage for sure. Streets of Rage. Yeah, yeah. and I, I used I used to to uh, to play with a girl. The girl was amazing. Was the girl? I don't remember the girl much. Uh, she was she mm. was um, in red, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, red. I mean, nothing beats. She was really acrobatic and fast. Nothing beats Street Fighter. Different games. Different. Can't yeah. compare them. Yeah. It's one that. one was a. What would you call platform. it? Platform. Not really a platform, was it? Was, it? Uh, Is that another platform, platform yeah. game? Streets of Rage. Yeah. 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 Remember Flashback? No, I don't. No. Nope. Flashback, I don't. Flashback was a good one. Or at least I've just made it up in my head. It <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> Anyway. Played a lot of FIFA 95 in those days as well. That was, was that always... the one where you could cross, you could do the cross box shot and it would always score? Yeah, I think that was FIFA Ma- for the first sort of 10 years of oh, the okay. game, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had the, the 97 tournament edition with uh, with futsal, you know? Oh, yeah. Six yeah, on yeah, six. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Should nice. bring that back. Anyway, that's enough of that computer game chat. <laughs> Joining me, Ian McCord, on today's One Football Podcast is Andre Gonzalez. Hello. Welcome back, Andre. Yeah, thank it's, you. It's been so long. It's true. And Dan Burke. Oh, yeah. Who hasn't been away for very long. No. <laughs> Not at all. The usual email, should you wish to get in touch, is podcast at onefootball.com. We do appreciate any questions that you send over. And... We will pose them should you send them in. Uh, you can also get onto iTunes, give the pod a rating, leave a comment to let us know how you think we are doing. Now, this weekend sees the biggest match of the season so far, at least in England, with the 175th edition of the Manchester Derby. There's so much to talk about uh, for this one. I'd like to start with Raheem Sterling. Good place to start. It's yeah. a good place to start. Isn't yeah. it? What exactly is the difference between last season's version of Raheem Sterling and this because it's astounding. Yeah, he, he's he's scoring goals basically. He's he's found the scoring touch. Um, he can't stop scoring. I think he's got thirteen already this season, which is more than he's ever scored um, in previous seasons. He looks confident. I mean, Guardiola's spoken about uh, earlier this season that he seems to uh, realise that scoring goals is quite fun, and and get, he's getting into those areas more often now. And it is um, it is fun. Yeah, I mean, a lot of his goals are coming. You know, aside from that Southampton one that was from outside the area, a lot of his goals are from inside the area as well. So it shows that City are creating a lot of chances in those areas, and players are getting into the box and scoring goals. And he he's been fantastic. So a lot well. of them are late goals too, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people before might have said that oh maybe Sterling is mentally a bit weak or mm. not maybe attuned to the game but to keep concentration and to score late in the game would also show an improvement on that not just his physical side of mm-hmm. the game because we know he's an absolutely skillful player but also the mental side as well yeah he just keeps going yeah the whole t- I mean the, the team just seems very together at City at the moment um, they, they, they're all they're all playing for each other and um, I mean with Sterling I, I must admit that when there was that talk of um in the summer of, of City potentially swapping Sanchez for Sterling. Oh, yeah. I would have been all for that. 
I mean, I, w I like Sterling, I always have, but I just think or thought that he perhaps didn't have what it takes to reach this kind of the level that a lot of City fans would, would, would like to see him at, the kind of world-class player, you know, maybe he never will get to that level, but I would have I swapped him for Sanchez and, and now I've gone full circle and I hope that he don't sign Sanchez in January because um, I, I worry what that could do to uh, Sterling's playing time. Could be a bit like that Festino Esprio when he joined Newcastle all the years ago and kind of disrupted the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, disrupted yeah. the team. A yeah, very bit. much so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't see where Sanchez gets in, gets in that team at the moment, really. No, me either. Trey? Um, I, I wanted to say that um, I, I personally think that uh, Ryan Sterling developed more as a player, improved more under Pep uh, than ever before. The way he understands the game now, the way he moves with ball, with the ball, and uh, mostly without a ball, the way he he, he goes on uh, one twos all the time. That's why he's is getting into the opposition box so many times and scoring. Um, before that, he was he was a very skillful player, a very very interesting to watch but there was something missing and I think it was mostly um, the lack of movement on the pitch and saying all that he's still only City's second best player behind Fabian Delph <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right yeah Delph has been an absolute revelation you um, want to you know this Dre but he requested to talk about Fabian we've Delph we've got to talk before. about Fabian Delph I, I don't yeah. mind at all you uh, don't mind should we give him we'll give him time yeah go, go ahead Go with the Dan Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's a player that, um, you know, nearly ended up signing for Stoke in the summer, came very close to going there, apparently. Um, I thought his City career was over. Uh, you know, he wasn't getting in the team last season. He had injury problems, but... And you wouldn't um, have shed any tears about that? Definitely not. No, no, no. <laughs> there, there, there were rumours that Pep didn't rate him and all this kind of thing. And then um, Benjamin Mendy gets an injury and he slots in at left back. Uh, I think it was Chelsea away was his first game in that position or possibly his second game. Um, and, and he's just not looked back since. He's been absolutely superb, um, really dependent, dependable. Um, I mean, he doesn't offer the same sort of uh, running running down the outside uh, that Mendy does and, and, and whipping crosses and that kind of thing, but he's very solid. And even at the weekend against uh, West Ham, he started the game in central midfield and he was good there as well, which, you know, it's, it's easy to forget now that that is his natural position. Isn't injured Benjamin Mendy still faster than Fabian <laughs> He's still faster than most people, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did, I did like that video of him being clocked running down the line. Yeah, it was hilarious, wasn't it? Yeah, the Sterling. It'd be less funny if he, uh, you know, aggravates his injury doing something <laughs> like that. But less funny indeed. Well, you'd expect Sterling to start. You'd expect um, Fabian Delft to also be in the team. But one big player who won't be there is Paul Pogba mm -hmm. after Bayerine's leg somehow got in the way of the, the Frenchman's foot last weekend. I, I'm wondering how big a loss is that going to be to to United tactically and also what's Mourinho going to do to compensate for it I think that we're not going to see any fireworks on, on that oh. no I don't, I don't think he's going to try anything different it's going to be uh, Herrera playing and just that can you see something different happening or well, maybe Fellaini is the other one but Fellaini is still uh, um, a doubt right I think he might still be a doubt yeah because yeah, I read that he's I think he's he started to run, but you know, running is not actually training. Mm. So I don't know. I don't think Fellaini is going to be fit. So Herrera should be the one to start. And Pogba, big loss, huge loss. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, I mean, oh, yes. you, you look at their form before and after he, he got injured, and um, this season they they won every game with him in the team, and and then the the form tailed off quite significantly. And then since he's come back in, they've been playing really well again. So yeah, he's been quite solid, he's, which he's is something that in the in the last season, uh, sometimes it didn't happen. Um, but this season, yeah, 
I think is is finally part. You know, is totally in the squad. Uh, which leads to a question from Kevin Fingleton. He says, "What has been the key to Pogba's form this season? Having managed to do the dirty work, and do United have any chance without him?" They've certainly got a chance without him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 he is, uh, as, as we just said, very important to that team. But they've still got a lot of good players uh, without without Pogba on the pitch. Um, I think Matic has definitely helped him this season. It's allowed him to to be a little bit more expansive in his role and, and get forward a little bit more. And um, but yeah, like 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 Dre just said, I think it's more that he's he's settled into the team now and the team is sort of playing around him and he's he's got that real talismanic presence. I think that's mm-hmm. what's what's come on in his game this season. I wonder if the Neymar deal helped him too. Yeah, just ease that uh, yeah. pressure yeah. off. Some pressure shoulders. off, yeah. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I don't think that Pogba was thinking of that when it, when he was playing. Uh, but whenever he was not playing, there was a lot of rumors. Um, in you know the mm-hmm. media, yeah, <laughs> always calling him the the most expensive players, not behaving like the most expensive players should should behave. Um, yeah, I I think you might be right on that. A lot of a lot of pressure was is now off his shoulders. Uh, speaking of selection headaches, and I don't have a silly question for you. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it sounds silly on the surface, but it, it might not be. Is there a striking problem at City? Uh, well, it's not so much a problem. And I mean, Aguero hasn't been playing particularly well lately. I think that's what you're getting at, aren't you? That he's, he's yeah, he's sort of struggling against defenses that are sitting mm. deep, and it's been uh, for Jesus. It's two goals in the last eleven games. Is that all? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I don't, know, I don't feel it that way. Yeah. You do feel that way. No. <laughs> it's the thing. I mean, there's, all, there's that stat that keeps getting updated all the time about the number of goals he's been directly involved in, um, whether yeah. scoring or assisting, and it's freakishly good. I can't remember the, the exact exactly. number now. Um, I mean, Aguero, uh, Guardiola said in his press conference yesterday that um, Aguero hasn't been the same since the car crash um, that he had in Amsterdam in September, uh, which kept him out for a few games. And I did think he came back alarmingly quick from that broken rib. That was and pretty it just, quick. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. He, he hasn't. He scored once since he broke the club scoring record, and that was from the penalty spot. So he's not. Yeah, he's not. He's not. It's just not quite working for him at the moment. And he, his kind of link-up play really improved early in the season. I noticed, but that seems to have gone a little bit recently as well. So, um, I would, I would personally go with Gabriel Jesus on Sunday. Trey, I've got a question that you might be interested in answering uh, from Stephen Denver, who asks, "Why hasn't the Mourinho Guardiola rivalry kicked off like it did in Spain?" I think I'm a bit disappointed in that. <laughs> uh, well, if, uh, to start, uh, with all due respect to to both Manchester teams, the the, the thing between uh, Madrid and Barca is not only football. It's it's a political thing. It's mm. it's um, it's uh, sometimes too dirty to <laughs> to, to, yeah. to be to be normal in football. So um, the rivalry between uh, both Manchester teams is a footballing. Rival, mm-hmm. rivalry. It's 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 pure football. It's about the game, and uh, the, the Madrid and Barca thing. It's it's not only the game, and that's why every time we had uh, Mo versus Pep in Spain, it was a shit show. Uh, and <laughs> in, in in England, fortunately, uh, it's not like that. You, do, do you wish uh, a shit show like we used to to have back in, in Spain? Uh, maybe not as bad as it was in Spain. <laughs> I mean, I don't need I don't need assistant managers getting hooked in the eye. But the um, <laughs> the odd crossword, you know, in press conferences always. Interesting. If you remember last season, the the Manchester derby at Old Trafford early in the season last year, they was talking about there being like a police presence on the touchline in what? case they sort of like came to blows on the touchline <laughs> or something like that. And I think, but since then, th- that was probably the sort of 
turning point where it was like, this is just no, silly, isn't no, it? No, <laughs> fortunately, it's a different a different environment. Um, it's a different culture. The way the the, the way the fans um, leave, uh, the, the way they perceive the, the derby in Manchester is is way more civilized and uh, um, polite way, I would say. Between Madrid and Barca, there's a way more. It's a hateful thing. There's not the political nature to go. No, not at basically. all. Okay, very good. Um, should we move on a little bit, or does anybody else have anything they want I, to mention? I have some interesting uh, stats that I, I wouldn't mind leaving you with uh, okay. in terms of City start this season. Um, both things that I just saw on Twitter, basically. I've not done the research myself. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> um, so City have uh, 43 points from 15 games this season. Um, the last three Premier League winning teams had 46, 40 and 49 points after 20 games. Ooh, so well, that tells you the sort is, of... Is this the, the, the best start uh, in the league? Uh, yeah, it's a record-breaking Premier okay, League start. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You've got time for one more fact. It makes sense. And then we're going to get a prediction for you and then we're going to okay. move on. Well, if City win on Sunday, they'll have 46 points. Um, this is courtesy of Duncan Alexander from Opta. Uh, last season, that was enough to finish eighth in the Premier League. Yeah, so we're guaranteed to finish eighth, whatever happens. Okay, well, you can take the time off after the <laughs> yeah. turn off for the rest of the season. Okay, um, we'll start with a prediction from you, Dre. I think City, City will win. Score? Um... Uh, one nil, two one. It's not going to be easy, but I think City okay. will win. Dan, I think I know your answer. Nil nil. Oh, I don't know your answer. <laughs> Goodness me! <laughs> Why? Why are so? Uh, he does. He's not trying to get his hopes up. I think okay, that's, that's just, what he's going that. for. A little, yeah, a little bit of that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Before the Manchester derby kicks off, of course, there is the biggest prize in football to get excited about. Drum roll, please, demo. <laughs> <laughs> the Ballon d'Or, yay! yay. Mm. Look, look at us. Now we all know who's going to win. Mundo Deportivo told us all that yesterday. <laughs> but a more interesting way to look at this is disregard Neymar, Messi, and the other one. The other one. And who should win the Ballon d'Or? I just, you know, just a slightly different exercise. I, I'll start it off. I would go with either Luka Modric or Tony Kroos. Mm. Uh, I think Modric, Modric uh, uh, would be a great, great pick. Uh, and I know I have a soft spot for, for Marcel because he's been one of the best uh, fullbacks in the world for so many years. And he looks like a good guy. He, he looks like a nice guy. And, uh, you know, it has been a while since we had like a top fullback, you know, on the, on the top of the world for so long. I remember Cafu, I remember Zanetti. And and I, I think Marcelo is, uh, is the next one. Dennis Dennis Irwin, you probably forgot as well. Oh, we'll forget <laughs> it. But, um, oh. You're going with Kevin De Bruyne? Uh, no, actually, no. Oh. I, I was, he, he'd be in my sort of top five of the past year, I would say. Okay. Um, but Isco was one I was thinking of. Ooh. Yeah, I thought I was really impressed with him last season and he, he started I, this I, I, I really like I really like Isco. And We're I think, big fans I think of Isco, in, in, yeah. in, in the near future he's going to be there. Um, but he's not quite there yet. Well, don't put down his choices there. <laughs> we just need Messi and Ronaldo to retire, don't we? And then the Ballon d'Or yeah, can yeah. get interesting again because it's just so tedious now. Last player to it? win the Ballon d'Or, not in Messi or Ronaldo? Was it Kaká? It was Kaká. Jesus. Very, very good, Andre. It was a long time ago. Andre, you're on a roll with questions from listeners, so I've got the next one for you. Is Madrid really missing BBC or is it something else? Asks Harman Singh. Uh, well, not being able to to play uh, Benzema, Bale, and Cristiano at the same time is is definitely definitely a problem. But I would say that it's more than that, uh, way more than that. Um, for, for for starters, 
this season has been a problem with injuries in Madrid uh, since the, since the very beginning. They, they were not able to play the usual team a single time this season. <laughs> That's is that fatigue? What is that? I don't know what's what's behind uh, all these injuries, um, and it's weird that it happens so early in the season because this mm. is sometimes you, you you see these things happening uh, around February or or March. Yeah, but it started in early September. Suggest to me that something's wrong in the training methods. It looks like it, mm. but I, I it, there is something that we we have no uh, way of of actually knowing because we were not there. We we don't know the people who's who's uh, training. Um, but yeah, that that was a big big blow. Uh, and also, what what Madrid did in in the market uh, in in last summer, I think they they made a lot of mistakes. Oh. Uh, they they let Morata go, which uh, it was probably the the by the end of the season it was probably the, the 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 forward in better shape in in the team, and he has he had everything to to become one of those charismatic Madrid players, and letting him go was not the right move um, for sure. Uh, also, I've yet to be fully convinced by Morata. Really? Yeah. I really like I really like him. Um Dan? He's a very complete player in the way the way he moves inside the box. Uh it's okay, I'm a big so, fan of Is Morata. it just me? I agree with all that that he just said, but I think it's consistency is it, that's uh, my, something that's, that's my still thing. He hasn't done it long enough. He needs to work on that a bit. Yeah, yeah but the, the thing is when it was it was it was kind of the 12th player for Madrid last season and every time he came on he was very dangerous and he scored. Uh, and this season, we don't have uh, James Rodriguez, we don't have Morata, we don't have um, Pep, and also Danilo. And th- th- these guys, maybe you look look at them and you think, okay, these guys wouldn't start at this Madrid team. But still, they were very, very good backups. Just to clarify, you say we there, but you're not a Real Madrid fan. We? What? <laughs> You said we, but you're not a Real Madrid. No, we uh, football fans. We <laughs> oh, say these guys wouldn't start at the uh, Madrid oh, Madrid okay. team. And, uh, yeah, ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there were very good backups, and the ones now we have uh, Teo, Borja Mayoral, Ahraf, Marcos Llorente, and Jesus Vallejo, and they're all very talented kids. But they're still kids. They're they're still quite green, I would say. Uh, they need to mature a little bit and. And you can see that uh, Mayoral, for instance, uh, Zizou doesn't trust him a lot. And when you have a crisis, uh, when Benzema and Cristiano are not scoring much, you need you need like a decent backup to come on. And Borja Mayoral doesn't have the trust of Zizou. He, he only he only started in the league once, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, against Real Sociedad, and he played twice in the cup as a starter. And uh, besides that. Uh, he, he came on six times and always played less than 10 minutes. So it clearly clearly shows that Zizou doesn't uh, trust uh, Borja Mayoral to become, you know, the like a, a substitute like Morata was last, last season. Mm-hmm. Asensio, Isco and Casemiro all have more La Liga goals than Ronaldo and Benzema this season. Yeah, that is a, it's, it's a weird thing. That's stunning, Casemiro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a weird thing. We all know that there there are certain players. We expect a lot from some for, from certain players, and and uh, from Cristiano Ronaldo, we always expect 
expect the world uh, of him. He's been scoring goals and goals and goals and goals for so long. And um, this isn't this is not happening in the league in the Champions League. He's, he's still scoring. So, uh, but it's not only about Cristiano. Is uh, we have some key players like him, like uh, Benzema, Modric, um, Asensio. They're not producing as much as they used to. And also uh, Varane. He committed a lot of mistakes. And I, I saw a lot of pundits um, calling uh, calling out. Uh, Cristiano and Benzema and, and even more Modric for the for the poor performance they're they're putting on, but no one talks about Varane and and he, he was really poor. He's been really poor this season. It's, it's not as glamorous, is it? You're not going to create as many headlines criticizing. I don't know I, I, him I, as you are criticizing Ronaldo. When I when I first saw Varane playing, uh, he was 18, and you look you you, you look at that guy and and you would think this guy is amazing. He goes, mm-hmm. he's only 18, he has the body. He has the mind, he has the physique to, to, to become one of the best centre-backs in the world. And right now, after some years, I don't think he developed to the level we uh, we all of us expected. He also has a captain who keeps on breaking sending off records. That that doesn't help. That doesn't help. <laughs> that doesn't help <laughs> as well. 24 now, I believe. It's <laughs> yeah. mental, isn't it? 24. <laughs> and I think he's going he's gonna to reach more than 30. Oh, he's going. Yeah. He's going through, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what's going wrong. Two questions from all of that. Can Zizou turn it around? And if he's going to turn it around, does that involve spending a large amount of money in January? Not because sure. Because I know Florentino Perez doesn't quite like spending money in January. And But there was talk in, uh, in Mark of a 200 million euro war chest. It's always a war chest. <laughs> I don't know why it's a war chest, but it's a war chest. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the spending they, they're going to spend some money in January. I'm pretty sure uh, of that. Icardi. Um, I'm not sure about Icardi though. Might be hard they to definitely prize away mid season. <laughs> yeah, they definitely need a number nine. They need a centre back, uh, and I would say a full back because uh, Carvajal has been um, uh, injured for so long this season, and Akraf is again a kid with a lot of talent, mm. but it doesn't offer. Um, he's got a lot to learn yeah it doesn't mm-hmm. offer uh, as much as, as Carvajal uh, so I would go to to, to the market and, and get at least three three men okay and can Zizou turn it all around yeah but it depends on a lot of factor, uh, factors and uh, it needs to the, the, the what concerns most of Madrid fans right now is um, the lack of quality on their game Last season, uh, Madrid had some uh, poor games, but there was always something uh, happening. There, there was this Isco move, that Cristiano goal. You know, the things were just running smoothly, and uh, papering over a lot of cracks. I think. Yeah. yeah, we talked about that in one of the podcasts. They won a lot of games, uh, one nil to mm-hmm. one, one nil to one, and we can clearly see that. Okay, they're doing well, but not that well. Um, this season, uh, they need uh, to be consistent. They need to 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 have a plan B, because um, last season when when there's there was no BBC, Isco came into the team and there was a, a tactical change and there was something new and the opponent didn't know what to do for for some time and now uh, everyone knows how to play against Real Madrid. There's one system they use that system and there is no clear 
plan B coming from Zizou. So they need to go to the market and need to work on a plan B in order to still uh, fight for the title. And might need to look for a new manager come next season. <laughs> Okay, so this weekend sees Toronto take on Seattle in the MLS Cup final. And who better to talk us through than our very own New York-based Daniel Isroff. Danny, where would you like to start with this? Do you want to talk about playoffs and Columbus crew and then we can move on to the final a little bit? Yeah, um, I, I think the, the, there's sort of this big elephant in the room uh, as we approach the final, which is the issue of Columbus crew. I don't know if the, the news has made it uh, all the way across the Atlantic, but it's been a huge thing here. Basically, the, the owner of the, the, the crew, Anthony Precourt, uh, held the city of Columbus for ransom and demanded that they, they pay public money to, to help him build a new stadium. Uh, they said no. He announced that he was going to move the team to Austin, Texas. Um, and that's when we got a really disappointing uh, response, I think, in the eyes of many fans from, from the league itself, from MLS, who have... Uh, backed pre-court, they've sat down with the city of Columbus on his side at the negotiating table uh, and, and basically are, it looks like, allowing this to happen. And There was a huge backlash from, uh, from, from fans on social media. Uh, there's this huge campaign called Save the Crew. Um, and then the, 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 the great part of all this is Columbus were in the playoffs and made a, made a really decent run. Um, and so MLS was nearly in a very embarrassing position of potentially having to to award uh, MLS Cup to uh, essentially a, a lame duck team um, that, that they were throwing under the rug. So that would have been interesting. Hasn't happened. Um, but it's definitely left a, a sour taste, I think, in the mouths of lots of fans throughout the playoffs. And it's hard to, hard to see the league in the same way. Is a final between Toronto and Seattle going to be able to rescue that? Uh, you would hope so. So it's a rematch of last season's uh, last season's final, of course, when Toronto thoroughly dominated. Seattle didn't have a, a shot on target at all uh, throughout 120 minutes, and then um, emerged victorious in in, in penalties. Uh, I think fans would like to see a more exciting affair this year, and I think both teams have improved, um, and and there's a good chance we'll see that. The semi-final hammering of Houston would suggest that Seattle are the form team coming into the game. Uh, fair assessment or, or no? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we'll remember, I'm not sure if you guys will remember talking about it last year, but Seattle had made this absolutely blazing run mm, um, yeah. up, up, the, up the table in the second half of the season. They were, they were red hot coming in. Uh, they've been playing very well in the playoffs. They, they, they haven't conceded a goal in, uh, I think it's 542 minutes. Uh, stretching back into the season, so that's that's very impressive. Um, and uh, Toronto, who you know we talked about a couple months ago, are arguably the the, the best MLS team ever in a single season. Uh, they haven't really convinced in the playoffs. They've sort of been good enough without uh, without really setting the world on fire. Uh, almost losing to, to to New York Red Bulls and then coming through. Uh, some some suspensions and injuries, uh, and they're in the final as well. So, um, yeah, I think Seattle probably the better form team. Toronto the better team overall. That's what, one of the questions that I w did want to ask you was that if Toronto win, it would be a domestic treble, and I would surely single them out as one of the best MLS teams of all time. No. Yeah, but the interesting thing is, I, I think there's potentially potentially a lot at stake for both teams. So Toronto, I think, really to cement their status as 
the best single season MLS team ever have to win MLS Cup. Otherwise, there'll forever be an asterisk when people look back on on all the records they set this season. Um, and then, and and that's never been done before the treble. But then, the other thing that isn't done very often is winning MLS Cup back to back. Um, and that's the the thing that Seattle have the chance to do. If they did that, they would become only the fourth team ever to do that, and they would also enter the the pantheon of great MLS teams. Well, so there is quite a bit at stake then. Yeah, yeah, yeah there is. Um, in terms of key battles and and where the match is going to be won and lost, what where would you advise? Our uh, our listeners, what would you advise them to look out for? So, so I think we're going to see something fairly similar to, to to last year's game. I hope there's a bit more, uh, a, a little more balance in the action. But Toronto are at home uh, in front of their fans. They'll have a lot of the play. They're sort of the better, um, more balanced all around footballing team. Uh, so it, it's really going to come down to to when they get their chances, can they finish them? And that's going to be a lot on. Uh, on, on Josie Altador and Sebastian Giovinco, the, the strike duo. And then Seattle's goalkeeper, Stefan Fry, who had a phenomenal phenomenal game last uh, last time in the final, made some really memorable saves uh, and I think won that battle. So I think it's going to be very much a rematch of uh, of, of the Toronto strikers against the, the Seattle goalkeeper. Uh, just explain to me again, Danny, why it's not on a neutral venue. So they changed it up a few years ago. Uh, it but, but the part of the problem with MLS is how much do you reward teams for succeeding in the regular season? Uh, and, and so they, they, they switched a few years ago from neutral venue to giving it to the team with the better record in the regular season to reward. So, for, for example, it would have been, I think, quite unfair on Toronto, uh, who've, uh, again, been brilliant throughout the season, not to have the advantage of uh, playing at home over Seattle, who... Um, Seattle would have would have finished as the sixth best team in the in the East. I mean, there's a real mm. imbalance between the, the 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 conferences right now, and I think it's only fair to to reward that. Okay, well, before we let you get back to bed, um, your prediction for the game? Oh, I'm not going back to bed. I have to work in a second. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. Um, prediction for the game. So last year I predicted uh, Toronto to win. Um, and they, they let me down, obviously. But I think I, I think this is finally their year. The, the year they win their first MLS Cup. Uh, they've, they've just been... They have the strength. They have the experience throughout the team. And then, it, again, the fact I pointed to last time they're at home. I think that'll, that'll pull them through. Uh, that was Daniel Isroff from the One Football Newsroom via New York. Uh, you're looking at me with a smile, Dan, <laughs> and that reminds me. I wanted you to retell a story, a footballing story. That's right, yeah. From your because you were just in Barcelona. So in Barcelona last week, yeah, I went to watch Espanyol v Hatafe. A terrible game. Uh, it was all right. Oh, yeah, okay. it was all right. But yeah, go but on. Um, but yeah, I was with my girlfriend who um, has been mentioned a few times on this podcast. She has, um, and she, you know, she loves football. You asked me when when we went to the game. You said, "Oh, so you drag your girlfriend to a football game?" She was like, "No, no, she wanted to go." You know, she was the one who was in, in, the driving force behind it. Um, she watches football all the time, and at one point. Um, the, there was a Espanyol were on the attack and one of their players got brought down just inside the opposition half and it was quite a cynical foul and she turned to me and said should be a penalty that I said oh, what? Uh, should a penalty? 
So, you know, it has to be inside the box to be a penalty, don't you? She was like, no, I thought that was just like most penalties <laughs> were given because for inside the box. So she thought that there might be other penalties given elsewhere on the pitch, but she just never seen one, seen it happen before. I was like, oh, right, interesting, yeah. How long has Roisin been watching football? All her life, All her much. life. She's 27 years old. Uh, <laughs> but, you know. I, I'm sure I guess, she'll love you for revealing her age. Yeah, I must, I must say that if we, you know, there's probably a lot of gaps in my theatre knowledge as well. So, you know, everyone's... Yeah. Uh, well, to that. if we come back again and Dan is single, um, you'll know why. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's all from us today. My thanks to Andre, Dan, Danny and producer Demo. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.